0: Hello and thank you for joining us on Spiritually Curious. This is Colleague Thomas and I am your host. This episode is about why I am no longer a Christian. I know if you listened to some of my earlier episodes in season one and two when the podcast was actually called The Truth About Everything, I expressed a lot of Uh, Christian uh, points of view, um, concerns, and topics that expressed uh, a Christian perspective and also promoted uh, a a Christian uh, theological um, understanding. But since then, since being in seminary, since being exposed to a lot of Asian philosophies and and really asking myself a lot of questions involving inclusion and just the how much can God actually be known to the point where one faith can say that they have ultimate truth? And for me, uh, my response was that I could no longer be a Christian. So this podcast is, is actually dealing with those reasons in which th- that led me to, uh, to make that decision. You know, now, as a Christian, I asked a lot of questions that were unpopular widely ignored or considered to be just the way things were you know I asked why were the images of Jesus that were in homes and churches around the world of a Caucasian man I mean if Jesus was white then that would make God uh, white as well and if so what does that tell us about white people Uh, Who they are, what role they play in our lives and and how much authority they have um, in this physical world and in the spiritual world. You know, what position and purpose do non-whites have in God's white kingdom if Jesus was white? You know, and why has God excluded and condemned LGBTQ people? That was another question. And, and also faithful adherence to other religions, now, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Taoists, even Jewish people who ironically are the founding fathers of Christianity. Yet they are not eligible for the eternal peace and salvation provided by the God of Christianity. The salvation doctrine of Christianity says you won't see Mahatma Gandhi a Hindu social activist that inspired Dr. Martin Luther King to lead the civil rights movement of the fifties and sixties, you won't see him in heaven because he's not a part of the body of Christ. But isn't the idea of the body of Christ essentially made of those that faithfully contribute to the kingdom of God? Those that are dedicated to doing the work of God, advocates for the love Peace and unity of all God's people. Those that love God with all their heart, mind, and soul, living lives dedicated to promoting the will of God, nurturing their relationships with God, and walking in the light, love, and harmony of God's direction for their lives. Isn't this what the body of Christ is made of? I asked myself that. So, it became impossible for me to consent to this idea of spiritual segregation and embracing a God who rejects Gandhi, Lao Tzu, the Buddha, and Muhammad. Although they spent their lives feeding the souls of the spiritually deprived and providing light so that those lost and spiritually frustrated were able to navigate the paths of life's journey. I could not accept that they they or their followers had nothing, absolutely nothing to look forward to from God except eternal damnation, torture, and, and suffering in hell. Yet, while these great faith leaders are condemned, the Christian, regardless of any act, no matter how malicious or vile is is covered by the blood of Jesus for sins of the past, present and the future. So while you won't see God loving non-Christians in heaven, you may see Hitler, a promoter of what the Nazis called positive Christianity. And this is what they worked from in murdering six million men, women, and children, six million Jewish men, women, and children. And this is a quote from Hitler himself, quote, by defending myself against the Jew, I am fighting for the work of the Lord, end quote. For me, this, this, there had to be a better way that this wasn't good enough for me that I, I needed to To know and understand God, to seek God to in a way that was that was more uh, of a loving God, of a more inclusive God that had opportunities for everyone, not just a select group of people. I also began to ask, you know, why would the same God that promises salvation and deliverance from evil, bondage and oppression be willing to condemn people to eternal punishment in hell? for also earnestly trying to liberate people from bondage as the Taoists do, suffering as the Buddhists do, and oppression as Gandhi did. The Bible says you will know them by their fruits, meaning that you only truly know a person by the acts that they carry out. And I believe that these acts that these great faith leaders carried out were ones of faithful lovers of God. They dedicated their lives to it. So why aren't they entitled to a place with God? To me, it was morally irresponsible to say the least to name as enemies of God those that were dedicated to doing the real work of god it, it it made sense to me at this point to begin to investigate what the other holy books had to say in regard to god self and enlightenment so i did and the more i looked into things the more my eyes were opened no longer was one religion group holy and the other evil no longer was one religious group entitled to everything good and the other everything bad. Uh, One was no longer the people of God and the other were under the spell of Satan. Each had its own special something important, something vital to say in its own unique way about how its people experienced and understood God. My experiences with Spiritually examining my metaphysical and cosmological inquiries through Christian resources left me empty. It left me left me with a void. It left me yearning for God's inclusivity as expressed by Jesus himself. in Matthew eight, when he helped the centurion officer, the Roman centurion who were who was a part of the oppressive group that was oppressing the Jews. Or in John four, when Jesus helped the Samaritan woman, outcasts, those that that were rejected. That's that's how they viewed the Samaritans, but he accepted these people. Pope John Paul II said during the um, the um, Assisi National Day of Prayer in 1987, and I quote: "There are undeniable differences in religions that reflect the genius and spiritual richness." that God has given to peoples, end quote. That statement by the Pope acknowledged his confidence that God was present and active in other religions, and not only is God present and active in other religions, God has also given each religion blessings of wisdom and spiritual riches that result in knowledge and understanding of God that is unique to that people, the wisdom of God. The vastness of God, the spiritual riches of God, the knowledge of God cannot be reduced to one religion and its traditions, theology and teachings. One thought per se. God can't fit into our neat little religious boxes because you can't fit something that's immeasurable into something that's measurable. I understood that Christianity offered a small contribution to the knowledge of God, but so did every other religion. They all contribute to the one ultimate truth. But not even combined can all the religions express the fullness of God. So if all religions can achieve a fullness of God, how can one? And as a true seeker of God, exposure to other religions and spiritual philosophies was a a way to experience the wealth of wisdom and spiritual riches. Each religion was specifically given by God. They all had something to offer, something special, something unique. Something revealed to them specifically. So. I discovered that limiting myself to Christianity by limiting myself to Christianity, I was limited to those ideas, those thoughts and those concepts. Of Christianity in the Bible in regards to God. I began to understand that my dedication was to Christian doctrine and not to seeking God. Through any means in which God showed up. By opening myself up to discovering God outside of Christianity, I made myself available to all the ways God has expressed, shared and revealed spiritual riches to many and not just to Christians. At that point, it became impossible for me to justify a valid Christian discipleship. Instead, I was inspired to take on a discipleship of discovery of God, self in union with all creation to not limit God to what one group of people has told me, informing me of how to worship God, what God was like, what God ex- expected from me, I'm allowing them to define my purpose and my contribution to God's work. You know, my levels for reasoning, for enlarging my possibilities for spiritual development were based on conviction that there is more to God than Christianity can inform me of. I needed to exercise my faith to stretch out however that looked. Now that I was freeing myself in order to grow spiritually and maintain a genuinely unrestricted connection with God. This is what I was seeking to do. You know, this experience and the expansion that came from it, the expansion of spiritual possibilities outside of Christianity was actually provoked by the one that influenced Christianity. Jesus loved all people desiring a deep and personal relationship with God for everyone. No one was excluded according to his religious practice, not even those that looked different from him, worshipped differently or lived life differently from him. Jesus was inclusive. Now, this is my story. And my reasons why I'm no longer a Christian, I'm not trying to influence anyone that is listening to denounce their faith, what I am doing is advocating for a more inclusive mindset where your spiritual brotherhood and sisterhood extends beyond your own religion, where your sources of influence and and knowledge and revelation of God can come from more than one holy book. To be open to explore the greatness of God, to be open to look into other scriptures, cultures, and philosophies, not to convert you but to expand your mind about God and increase your knowledge and appreciation of God. Are you dedicated to God or to your holy book? It doesn't matter if, if it's the Bible, the Quran, or the Gita. Or are you a seeker of God? Who is greater than Christian books, theological theories, concepts and imagination? Which one is it? You know, Dr. Robert Nash of Mercer University in Atlanta said, and I quote, seeking to discover God in a new way is only possible by making the unfamiliar familiar.